Add a personalized touch to your greeting cards this holiday season with CardsDirect.com. Design your customized cards on CardsDirect.com slash real simple and save 25% off instantly at checkout. But don't wait. The holidays are just weeks away. Shop over 5,000 holiday products. Express shipping options are available. Order today. CardsDirect.com slash real simple. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of realsimple.com. While I could spend every episode of this podcast talking about infidelity because it's such a huge issue in relationships, a couple of recent studies prompted me to think specifically about the differing ways in which men and women react to adultery and how those reactions are different depending on whether the infidelity happens in person or online. Joining me today to discuss new research as well as some of the most common reasons why people cheat and how they can prevent cheating in their marriages and relationships are Dr. Sherry Myers, an L.A.-based marriage and family therapist and the author of the book Chatting or Cheating. Also joining me is Amanda Chattel, a lifestyle writer at Bustle.com who focuses on sex, sexual health, and women's issues. Hi, Dr. Myers. (laughs) Hi, Lori. And please call me Sherry. Okay, And hi, Amanda. Hi, Lori. And hi, Sherry. Hi, Amanda. (laughs) So I want to just start by bringing up a recent study that came out of Norway that, Amanda, I know you wrote about. And the study found that men are more likely to be angry if a partner has a one-night stand. And women are more jealous if a partner is emotionally invested in someone else. I wanted to get both of your takes on this. Sherry, did you find these findings surprising? Not at all. One, because I've counseled thousands of couples through infidelity, and that seems to be in alignment with my personal experience. But there's also other studies that actually have been done in California that back up the same information. Literally, a study was done by Chapman University with 64,000 participants between the ages of 18 and 65. And universally, women had more issues if their partner loved someone else or had emotional closeness with someone else. And men had found it really hard to forgive if their partner had sex with someone else. Amanda, you wrote a lot about the sort of evolutionary reasons why this might be, that men might be more jealous of sexual, physical sexual infidelity and women more jealous if a partner is emotionally invested. Why do you think that is? Well, every study that I've ever written about or covered always goes back to the evolutionary like aspect of everything. And in my mind, we're still animals at our very core. So in my research, I found it really interesting that for men, there's always been this feeling of whether or not the child is theirs. So even though we live in this civilized society at this point, the evolutionary aspect, I just think, will always come through. I'm sorry, if I can jump in, I'd like to add to what Amanda's saying, because in the back lower part of our brain is where our, as Amanda called it, our animal programming, our more primal programming is. And in that part of our brain, really men were put on earth to spread their seed. 
especially when there wasn't such a population explosion. And so literally there's an impetus inside that goes against all modern-day socialization to spread your seed, that it is your job to impregnate as much and carry on life force onto the earth as much as possible. Now, there's been a lot of programming since then that says, no, 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 you know, be monogamous, one woman at a time, et cetera, et cetera. But back there in what Freud used to call the id, that programming still exists. But how, if it, the programming still exists, but it's obviously, you know, sociologically, culturally not acceptable necessarily to go around spreading your seed, as you say, Sherry, what is... How are partners supposed to are partners supposed to understand that evolutionary drive and make a, you know make allowances for it? Well, I think you have to be conscious that there is, and as women, you know what? I think most of us accept like none of us want our partner to cheat. We want monog if we're in a committed relationship, be it dating, marriage, or living together. We want and expect, unless we're polyamorous, our partner to be faithful because that's what we build trust on. But I think as women, we can understand, you know, it's hard to forgive, but we can understand that that's the way men are. And, you know, if they're on a business trip and they happen to have a one-night stand, we find our way to forgive forgiving them usually you know take luck I would just I, I'm sorry I'm going to interrupt just because I think that it's really hard to generalize about an entire gender and how they would feel about those things and I think I don't know Sherry what you're suggesting well, okay well the point I, I'm actually making a different point which is the more masculine the man the more he puts his worth or some of his worth a lot of his worth into his sexual prowess And that is why it is so hard for a man, most men, not every man, because there's a whole new generation of men being raised. So I'm not generalizing to the entire population of men, but I'm just saying generally and in my experience with working with men that the more masculine masculine they are and the more they attach to their prowess, Amanda, what what is your, I'm just curious about your reaction to what Sherry's saying. Well, honestly, to be quite candid, I found out in the last month that my husband of two years cheated on me with a woman 28 years his junior, mind you. And I would say that there will be no forgiveness. There is. Are you still together? Uh, no, we're ending it. Um, so... Which was interesting because I wrote, I covered this study and then I found out about the cheating. Of course, I don't want to make this all about me, but from my personal experience, this is a level of betrayal that I don't, I understand from an evolutionary aspect, like men originally were supposed to like spread their seed. And I realized that there's that fragile male ego, like he needed to prove his masculinity. I've written about, you know, cheating and infidelity and from an evolutionary aspect and from, you know, the aftermath of what it's like to have been cheated on. And in my personal opinion, I find that it's, it's unforgivable. 
if you don't mind, Amanda, and let me know if you if you don't want to continue with this line of questioning, because I understand that this is really personal. But would you say that to you, when you discovered this, that the emotional impact or the idea that that your partner was being emotionally unfaithful was worse or the same felt the same as him being physically unfaithful was it was it or was it the combination of both for me it was the combination of both I actually wrote an article about it that went viral recently not only did he cheat on me physically but he had told this girl because she's a girl of 20 all these things about me and she she sent me a poem about me in which she, it was only information that he could have told her. So there was the physical aspect and then the emotional aspect that it just, I just never in my entire life experienced such a, such a betrayal ever. I never even thought it was humanly possible. I'd like to segue into another recent um, study that came out that was this one was from the UK and it was talking it looked at the prevalence of online affairs and one of the things that i found most interesting about it was some of the comments from the participants who were involved in this study and you know in light of what you just told us amanda you'll probably be able to relate to this in some ways that one of the participants wrote about the affair that he or she was conducting online. I tried to stop, but neither of us could. It would start again, and it was so easy with all the technology we carry around. It was an amazingly comforting and sexy thing to have. One of the the arguments that this study makes is that online infidelities and flirtations are actually kind of addictive. They hit us in the same centers that sort of a drug would or other, you know, things that are addictive. And I wanted to get both of your opinion on that, if that seems accurate to you, Sherry, to talk about online affairs and infidelities as as something that we can actually become addicted to. I call it emotional sex. And what basically emotional sex is, is the unspoken attraction. It's an affair of the heart, and it's usually fueled by brain chemicals. And these brain chemicals are like addictive love chemicals that almost release in your brain the same effect that if you do cocaine, dopamine, oxytocin, testosterone, and amphetamines. It's like a rush of lust and love that you begin to feel with someone that you might not ever have met, but you feel suddenly irresistibly drawn to them. And your mode of connection is right next to you. It's in your pocket. It's in your purse. It's right there on your computer while you're at work. Suddenly that relationship is giving you a break from your life. It's giving you this burst of chemistry inside you. And that becomes very, very addictive. Amanda, you've written about infidelity and and just shared that you've now experienced it. Was your, in your particular case, if you don't mind talking about it, was it, did it begin as an online relationship and then go from there? Or do you know? I do know because they were kind enough to share the details with me. Um, It didn't start online. They actually met at a bar when I was traveling. I was out of town. And then it moved to, it moved to like texting and like flirty messages. But I guess it got more and more intense. And 
to the point where they acted on it. Honestly, I think like having grown up in this age of technology, having had access to like texting since I was late high school, early college, if I recall correctly, I'm... I don't think that there's anything like wrong if you're in a relationship and you exchange like flirty texts or any of that. What I do think is wrong is when they become sexual and all of a sudden you start confiding in that person about your actual relationship that you have in the real world. And then from there, it becomes physical. When we come back, we'll be talking about social media prenups. But first... The Labor of Love is sponsored by CardsDirect.com. You know what's coming. The holidays are only weeks away, and before you're busy with gifts and parties, it's time to order your personalized greeting cards. CardsDirect.com provides custom holiday cards for both businesses and families, so you can send something truly unique this Christmas. Shop over 5,000 holiday products. They make it easy to order and offer express shipping options. Right now, the Labor of Love listeners will receive an exclusive 25% off automatically this season when they visit cardsdirect.com slash realsimple. Order today and tell them we sent you. cardsdirect.com slash realsimple. Sherry, where Amanda might draw the line or where I might draw the line or where I might or you might be uncomfortable about flirtatious texts, for example, it's going to be different for every person. How do couples navigate that how you've talked about actually the importance of having a social media prenup is what you called it so that all of these expectations are sort of laid out before relationships get too serious absolutely i believe that every relationship nowadays we cannot presume or assume we really do need to talk it talk it out as early on as possible about what is cool and not cool about our online behavior and what constitutes cheating to us or what starts becoming threatening to us or uncomfortable to us. You know, for example, having your phone at the dinner table and texting or talking on the phone while we're having dinner together. Is that okay or not okay? Or how much interaction with someone online is okay? And you know what? I don't want you to post really ugly pictures of us, even if you think they're funny. Or I don't really want you to tell anybody that you're interacting on Facebook with about our personal life or what's going on with me or with us. That's just between us. That's not for any level of social media. And putting that out in an understanding, discussing and even writing down what's off limits and what needs prior approval, because that's going to save a lot of heartache. With the ubiquity, though, of, you know, of our devices, our ways of connecting with people, whether over social media or just with our phones, is there really any way to, or are there ways that either one of you would suggest that people can affair-proof their relationships? <laughs> I would say no, to be honest. Like, I mean, you unless you you keep track of your your partner's password and you're always looking at their phone and you're staying on top of them, I think that 
people are going to do what they want to do at the end of the day, to be honest. But, you know, Sherry mentioned earlier that there are certainly things that make couples and individuals vulnerable to infidelity. And I wanted to know if you, if there are indications either at the time or in retrospect that you saw that might have made your relationship vulnerable to infidelity. Absolutely. We, from the beginning, I fell in love with a, a Frenchman in Paris at a cabaret, to, to, just to start that. And there's the first line of your memoir. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so what it came down to was when we met and we fell in love, we both had like expectations for ourselves and for our careers. And he was going to pursue music and he was and I was going to pursue writing. And I ended up holding up my end of the bargain and I became more and more disenchanted with our relationship. And he, I want to say fragile male ego once again, it made him sad to no longer see the stars in my eyes that I once had for him. And I could feel that they were fading. So obviously when he was working one night and this 20-year-old girl just told him he was the most amazing singer and the most attractive man she'd ever seen, like I under I understand from a psychological point of view, I understand that he needed that. I didn't expect it to be with somebody so much younger, actually two years older than his oldest daughter. So I could I knew that it was coming to an end. I had emotionally checked out before I even found out about the affair. But now looking back and been a month of realizing it, I can see clearly like evolutionary and psychological logically like it makes sense that he strayed he needed somebody to give him the ego that I could no longer give him you know so as I said at the beginning of this podcast this is a topic that we could cover endlessly and from a million different angles but we're going to be wrapping up for today I want to thank Dr. Sherry Myers for being here. Sherry is an L.A.-based marriage and family therapist and the author of the book, Chatting or Cheating, and Amanda Chattel, a lifestyle writer at Bustle who focuses on sex, sexual health, and women's issues. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary and would like to be a guest on our show, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel, and our engineer, Zach Dinerstein. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.